Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a hopeful and helpful life. So last week, I featured four of the voices of the Triangle region of North Carolina involved in improving our community's health through plant-based diets. And on Saturday, PCRM rolled into town with their Kickstart Your Health Triangle, and I was there for the day live podcasting, which I didn't really know what that meant, but I guess I was just there with my recorder and microphones and I grabbed people as they were available to chat with them about the event and about what they were up to. So today's podcast, like last week's, will be a montage, a melange, a uh, smorgasbord of short conversations as opposed to the usual hour-long deep dives into a single subject with a single guest. So on today's podcast, you'll hear from Eric O'Gray and Neil Barnard from the Physicians Committee. Eric and Neil have both been guests on this podcast. Eric, a while ago, you might remember him from his amazing story, which was told in his book, Walking with Petey. Since that book came out, Eric has moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. He's in the Washington, D.C. area, and he's working full-time uh, donor relations for PCRM, which is a position that's absolutely perfect for him. And of course, Dr. Neil Barnard was on this podcast uh, just a few weeks ago uh, promoting this event, and he stopped by just to chat about how it was going and what his vision was for bringing this to more communities in the future. After that, I got to grab a couple of local activists who are addressing issues of poverty and farming and access to food and food education, and they're doing it in really innovative ways. So I think you're going to enjoy those two short conversations. I also have a couple of chats with local businesses with uh, Shane McKinnon of smallseedbar.com, moved from the West Coast also to the East Coast um, to produce high-quality plant-based bars. And also uh, Yachtiel Webb, who opened a vegan soul food restaurant in Durham, North Carolina. I also had the opportunity to interview Carol Thibodeau, who traveled the farthest as a participant to be here from uh, near Nashville, Tennessee, about an eight or nine hour drive just to come and uh, enjoy the event. And she is one of the stars of our first Wellstart coach training program. So it was absolutely fantastic to meet her in person and ask about what she's up to and what she thought of this event. And the final conversation is one that I've wanted to have for a long time. It's with Susie Amos Cameron, who unveiled her One Meal a Day for the Planet 
campaign, OMD, for the planet. She was a keynote speaker at the event, and she just blew me away with her energy, her optimism, her can-do spirit. If you don't know her, she is an actor, an activist, an educator. She's also the wife of film director James Cameron, and the two of them have produced a number of the most important documentaries on health and plant-based eating and the environment that have come out in the last several years. And in times as challenging and dark as these seem to be, to spend time with people with such clarity and light and vision is really a balm for the soul. So between all these folks, um, I present you a, a montage of, of hope, of clarity, of can-do spirit, and opportunities for all of us to get involved in our local communities to make this world a better place. Two quick things before we dive in. One is Wellstart Health is running its, its second coach training program. If you're interested in becoming a wicked effective health coach to help people transition to plant-based diets, to healthier lifestyles, check out our brand spanking new website for the coach training at wellstartcoach.com. Thanks to my partner, Kevin Davis, for putting all that together. Read about it, watch the videos, and decide if you would like to apply. And if you do, you can sign up for an enrollment interview at the bottom of that page, and we can talk about whether this program would be right for you. Second announcement, we are looking for coaches for, to volunteer to be coached by our trainees and by graduates of the program. You get coaching on your own habits so you can build and sustain healthy habits for a healthy lifestyle. And you also help us so that we can evaluate the coaches and see which ones of them uh, are ready to begin working with Wellstart. If you're interested in that, just email me, Howard at WellstartHealth.com, and tell me a little bit about your situation and what you'd like help with. And I'll see if I can match you up with a coach trainee who can help you get there. All right, let's dive into live voices of the triangle. Eric O'Cray, good to see you. Hey, Howard, how are you? I'm really good. Here we are at Panther Creek High School in Cary, North Carolina. PCRM has come to town with all your big guns. Man, I'm so happy to be here, and we're really appreciative of your support of this event, Howard. Oh, it's great. I'm walking around getting free samples. Yeah, I mean, the food here is delicious. I just found a vendor that has vegan, gluten-free tamales, um, and I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Yeah, i got to have to check. I'm going to check them out. I uh, already did. They're delicious. I mean, off the charts good. <laughs> okay. I started with dessert because, mm. you know, li life is too short. <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to get started, that's what I always say. Yeah. So uh, what's, the, what's the goal here? You've done, you've done this sort of event in, what, eight or nine other cities? I think we've done about six so far. We've done uh, similar events in Detroit, in uh, Nashville, in St. Louis, in Atlanta, and somewhere else. But we're, we're thrilled. What we like to do is we like to basically uh, uh, see a town that could maybe use a little bit of help nutritionally and, and go in and, and <clears throat> try to help... Uh, Help people see that, you know, plant-based nutrition is really the solution to a lot of lifestyle disease like type 2 diabetes, um, heart disease, uh, stroke, things of that nature can be dramatically reduced with, uh, with healthy plant-based nutrition. So you, uh, you come into a town, a city, a region, you do your event, you go out. Do you, have, do you get feedback about 
or you, do you think about how this can strengthen the community after you leave so that, th- that there's new webs woven or new capabilities? What we're really trying to do is introduce the local community to some of the, uh, the plant-based uh, vendors and service providers in the community to really open that connection so that somebody in the community that might be overweight and want to lose weight, might have type 2 diabetes or any number of lifestyle disease, can be introduced to a provider for the first time, whether that's a, uh, a medical doctor, a registered dietitian, a food for life instructor, which is somebody who can help to uh, show that person how to cook using healthy plant-based foods and what to put in the refrigerator and what not to put in the refrigerator, how to read food labels, that sort of thing. So it's really a, a soup to nuts kind of program. And also uh, the, the other real benefits are there's a, there's a great number of really good uh, plant-based providers here, like restaurants and other vendors. So it's a way to introduce the community to healthy people in their community that are providing healthy goods and services. Great. Do you have a plan to like return on an annual basis to the towns you've gotten to to continue, or just uh, going to try to hit all the hit all the metropolitan areas first? We're going to try to hit the major metropolitan areas first, and what we try to do is choose the areas that are probably most uh, most need the help of uh, plant based nutrition and and uh, good health. So. Uh, as I said, so we're, we're trying to hit the, the major urban centers throughout the country right now. What what my what I'm uh, planning to do, and <clears throat> I'm the uh, the donor contact for PCRM for the southeast. So I'll continue to come back two three times a year and work with the local uh, uh, veg fests and some of the other people, and can kind of be contact and support for really anybody who needs it. So anybody that wants to have a closer relationship to PCRM can contact me, and I'll give my email. It's eogrey, E-O-G-R-E-Y, at pcrm.org, and I'd love to hear from you. Great. Now, there's there's something of a maybe paradox or, or dynamic tension between wanting to go to the communities that need it the most, but you're trying to weave together resources. So the, I would think that the communities that need it the most have the fewest, you know, vegan restaurants, plant-based docs, food for life instructors. How, how, do you, how do you balance need with existing resources? Well, the communities that we're actually going to probably have the greatest need in terms of both additional resources and, um, and our assistance and, and have the greatest uh, incidence of lifestyle disease, which is, again, di- type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, things of that nature. So, for example, if you go to a community like um, San Francisco, California, or Austin, which we haven't been to, they have Austin, Texas, they would have tremendous resources and a very developed uh, vegan infrastructure, plant-based infrastructure in those communities. Other ones, like the ones that we're going to, such as um, like the uh, uh, North Carolina Triangle, Detroit, Atlanta, have some growing resources but aren't really on the scale of the Bay Area, California, Austin, Texas, and many of the other leading plant-based centers of the United States. Gotcha. So you're sort of bridging the gap. Um, We're trying to help people get started, and that's why we're calling the event uh, the Kickstart. So Kickstart Your Health Triangle, we're here for you. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks so much. Uh, I'd like to get get back to... uh, 
to donor relations and, and uh, greasing the wheels of this event. Um, before we go, we'll take we'll take a quick uh, photo together, and I'll uh, I'll keep grabbing other people, uh, both vendors, speakers, and uh, and visitors, and find out what they all think. Wonderful, Howard. You're doing a great job, and we really appreciate your participation in this event. And uh, we are a big fan of yours. Well, I work for food samples, as you well know, so I'm <laughs> happy have, to be here. And we have plenty of them here. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Next, I was joined by the ever-energetic, ever-ebullient Dr. Neil Barnard, founder of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Hey, Dr. Neil Barnard, welcome. Hey, great to see you. Yeah, so tell me about the, we're, we're here at Panther Creek, um, a lot of people walking around, a lot of vendors. What was the vision for like the first one of these that you did? What was the idea? Well, uh, we wanted to just see if we could make a splash one city at a time. And the idea was to sort of adopt a city and to go in and ask the mayor to do a declaration that we need to talk about vegan diets for health or animals or the environment or whatever their motivation is. We wanted to reach the local hospitals and if there's a medical school, do talks at, 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 to those facilities. Go into the schools. Work with the businesses. Uh, work with the local press and just try to make a splash um, that would hopefully reverberate for a while, even after we left. And we figured if we did enough of these, um, we might start to see things catching fire, and I think that's what's happening. Uh, Little Rock was the first one, and it's just big enough that there's a lot of people there, but small enough that you can be a a pretty big fish in a smaller pond um, there. And the next one was Rochester, New York, and then we did Atlanta and Detroit and lots of other places, and now we're here in the... The triangle of uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get um, resistance from mayors who don't want to go go public saying that a plant-based or vegan diet's a good thing? Them, well, no. The mayors have been thrilled about it. I think that's for a couple of reasons. One is that the time is now. Um, everybody knows that vegan that eating is, is a good thing. Plus, I mean, let's face it, mayors are asked to to open lollipop stands and all kinds of goofy, goofier stuff than saving the planet. So, <laughs> no, this, this is an easy yes for them. Mm-hmm. In fact, here we had, I think, I believe, the mayors of Cary, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, maybe three mayors anyway, um, declare, uh, dedicating today to, to be their, their plant-based diet day. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, one of the things I like about this event and, and your approach to it is that you really highlight and empower locals. Yeah. But you bring in a lot of skills and a bigger vision than, than most of us have who are just sort of in the trenches every day. When you leave a city, do you find that those connections can maintain so that, that, that people locally now have a better understanding of here's how we work the press, here's how we involve medical schools, here's how we do political? Yes. Um, yeah, great question, Howard. But, you know, um, this is also um, a continuation of the way we always work. You know, we have Food for Life classes, as you know. So people from all over the U.S. and other countries come to us in Washington, and and they kind of learn our way of doing things. And then they go interpret it in their own ways, in their own communities. And they've done it like that for a long time. Uh, When we did research studies uh, with GEICO, we did that in 10 different cities around the country, including Macon, Georgia, and Buffalo, New York, and San Diego, and so forth. So... um, Everything we do is a mixture of sometimes some national scope, but but nothing happens that isn't local. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, um, what do you, what do you see? Uh, where are you going next after after the Triangle? Do you have a, a plan? Oh, you mean what's the, what's the next city after yeah. this? That I don't know. Um, I can tell you what I'm doing next. Um, I'm going back to Washington, and I'm launching a new book called the Vegan Starter Kit. And you mm-hmm. might have seen these 
little guides that we have, like a vegetarian starter kit or starter yep. guides. Every, we actually had the very first one probably 25 years ago, and it's been adapted by lots of groups since then. But I decided we need, I love the name, but I want more detail and something people can give to their relatives that gives them an, enough information to get started. So I'm publishing a book called The Vegan Starter Kit, and it's coming out in December. So I'm really trying to encourage people not to just buy one and leave it on their bookshelf, but to buy 20 and to mm. give them to all their grandkids and everybody at work. And it's this little, small, um, approachable book that a person can read in 45 minutes, but will make them feel like, darn it, I'm going to do this diet. This, now is my time. So that's, that's my next project. Nice. Do you find it harder to write a short book? Uh, you know, it's a funny thing what you're saying. Sometimes it is long, easier to just drone on um, and harder to be concise. But no, in this case, I didn't find this hard because um, we do research studies where we bring people in and we, we help them to change their diets with a, a certain series of steps that we all pretty much use the same way each time. And I've never seen anybody unable to do it. So I just wrote a book that said, okay, here's how you do it. And, and the value of this is um, there's a guy who... Um, He's in the hospital for a heart attack. He, his doctor says a vegan diet is going to reverse your heart disease. And the guy says, great. But his wife says, you know, I don't know what to cook. I, uh, or, or I don't want to do your diet, you know, because I like what I eat. Or, or his kids give him a hard time. Or, 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 or it could be the reverse. A woman wants to change her diet and they, the guy is a stick in the mud. Whatever. This is the kind of guide that will allow people to say, everybody can do this. We can do it together. We're all going to be so glad we did. And um, that, that was the idea. Great, great. So it sounds like it took maybe just a couple of months and 25 years to write. Well, we came up with principles a long time ago. You know, we've been doing research studies since the 90s and where we bring folks in. And, every, you know, people are all, they always have a mixture of wanting to do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, know, they, they know that, that vegan eating is good for their, their bodies. They know it's the right thing with regard to our animals that, with whom we share this planet but have been abysmally treating um, and they also know it's an environmentally good thing. You'd have to live in a cave to not know that a plant-based diet is, is the best thing for the planet. So they want to do it. But on the other hand, you know, we're creatures of habit, and people think, oh, man, you're going to make me give up all my normal foods, and I'm going to have to live in a garage because nobody will invite me out to dinner anymore, and, yeah. and you know, all that stuff. And so we found ways around that, and, which, by the way, I'll just mention. Um, when people come in, what we normally ask them to do is to break things into two steps. And step one is... Don't, don't actually change your diet for a week. Uh -huh. Don't um, take anything out. So you're not going to give up meat or eggs or anything. But what you're going to do for the first week is just try out vegan foods. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, uh, let's see. For breakfast, I'll have oatmeal with cinnamon and raisins. I'll see how that is. Yeah. And then, um, let's see. Would pancakes be okay without butter? <laughs> Maybe. Well, try. And I never had almond milk on my cereal. I wonder how that is. Well, let's try it. Um, so after a week, they'll have figured out what they want for breakfast, and they'll do the same for lunch and dinner, and maybe eating out, they'll try the vegan thing at the Italian restaurant, the thing they never tried before. After a week, they'll know what the choices are. Step two then says, let's actually eat those foods for three weeks. So for three weeks, it's all vegan all the time, using the foods you picked in step one. And people say, well, that's easy, you know, because I already know. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried out the almond milk, and I tried the oatmeal, and I got it, and it's on my shelf. So they do that for three weeks. Very easy, because unlike every other diet, they're not calorie counting. They're not hungry. They're just eating these foods. And after three weeks, they feel good. And, they, and, and, it, and it, it seems approachable. And then they just want to stick with it. 
So, so that's what we do. And, and so the vegan starter guide starts people out with that. It gives them some starter recipes. It answers all the basic questions, like not just where do you get your protein, but calcium and B12 and basic supplement questions and stuff like that. So that's the idea. Gotcha. And so um, in the presentation you gave when we were all out uh, at that wonderful dinner the other night, you had this slide I hadn't seen of yours before about the different parts of the brain that reject yes. novelty, reject new things. Is the, the science behind the, the habit change part of your program sort of addressing those, those brain quirks? Yes. Um, however, I, I want to say that when you talk to behaviorists about this, they get all wigged out. They say, oh my God, you know, you have to take a person where they are. And some people are in the pre-contemplation phase where they need information and, you know, then they have to slowly go to, you know, some other phase. And I got to tell you something, Harry. You know, you can bring people through those phases in about five minutes, through all the phases. It's like the kid wants to jump in the swimming pool. He's in the pre-contemplation phase. Is the water cold? He sticks a toe in. He gradually works his way down the steps. You know, the kid could just jump in the darn pool. Yeah. And so going vegan is not hard. Um, it does take, it, it is good to do it thoughtfully, but, but it's easy to do. And it's easier than quitting smoking, easier than learning how to drive, easier than any of that stuff. And so we just show people how to do it, and then the food takes care of itself. Because if you have been 50 pounds overweight, you've got diabetes, your joints hurt, you got no energy, da-da-da, and, and somebody takes those away... You feel great. You want you want to continue. Plus, if your teenage kids have been ragging you about what a bum you are to the animals, mm. eating chickens and fish and all these innocent life forms who don't deserve to be on your plate, suddenly they love you again <laughs> because you're becoming a civilized human being. So um, it's an easy thing to do. Um, and and uh, although I joke a little bit about the structures of the brain that are there to refuse to change. Um, the fact of the matter is that we can get those pieces of the brain in sync pretty quick. Gotcha. All right. Well, you you gotta you gotta go talk and, and run the event. So thanks for taking the time. Good to see you, Howard. Thank you. Th thanks for everything you do for spreading the world. By, by, by the way, you, you've been doing this a long time. You reach a lot of people. And let me just say something. A doctor like me, in a course of a day at the Barnard Medical Center or whatever, our doctors might see 15, 20 patients in a day. But you, were, with one thing that you do, where you're reaching people, they they, listen, they tune into you. You might listen. You could have 100 people, 500 people, 1,000 people, 5,000 people listening to one recording or more than that. And, um, you know, you're going to change far more lives than any doctor does on any given day. So thank you, Howard, for everything that you do to change the world. Yeah, well, thanks. And, and I've got to say that, you know, with the work that I'm doing with the podcast and with Wellstart, the thing that gets in people's way the most is their doctor. <laughs> then telling oh, them, man. yeah, I heard this, yeah. I saw it. So we got to change that. I'm so I'm so glad that you're doing the work you because yeah. you know the work you're doing, educating doctors, doing grand rounds. Each of those, like, you know, it's uh, it's definitely exponential. So. Yeah, we did that. You know, yesterday I gave a talk to the Duke Medical students, and the day before that, the UNC University of North Carolina students, and and also uh, Duke Regional Hospital. Um, so yeah, we 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 reached the medical students, also the doctors. And that's been kind of a slog, but we're, but we're making a lot of progress. And finally, we are now getting to the point where there's more and more and more doctors who say, of course. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, um, they're teaching medical students, they're teaching their patients this. So, so uh, the world is changing in a good way. Right anyway, thank you. All right. Thanks, Neil. All right. See yeah. ya. Bye. Now the local activist portion of the podcast. First, I spoke with Whitney Sewell of FarmerFoodShare.org. Whitney from Farmer Food Share, how's it going? It's good. It's going really good. 
Good. So uh, what is Farmer Food Share? Sure. Farmer Food Share is an organization that works with small farmers, helping them to make a living and getting their product to the people who need it, where we have this food system that pits people against each other, those people who have the food who are growing it against the people who need it. And so Farmer Food Share works in the middle helping those farmers make a living, helping those people who need the food get it. So how, how, does, how does that work? I don't, usually I don't think of a market where the producers and the consumers are at odds. Why, mm-hmm. why, why is that the case here? Well, we're, we're thinking about uh, it's, not a, it's not a market per se. Think about all the people out there who like a traditional food pantry. Think about a traditional food pantry and what comes to mind when you think of a food pantry. Maybe the cans, mm-hmm. the boxes of highly processed material, what gets the food that gets subsidized in our nation that's not quite for consumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot up, of dented stuff. Oh, and... yeah. What ends up in the, on the plate of a child in a public school? We're looking at farmers who grow food who can't make a living because they can't get their food out to the people who need it. So we work with those farmers who have the food, we aggregate it. We have a a headquarter that's a food hub with coolers and we have trucks and we go out and we get the produce from the farmer, bring it back to Durham is our headquarter and we aggregate that produce, put it all together, package it up and take it out to larger markets, for instance, the Durham Public Schools. And then we do uh, some supplementary support. So, for instance, we go into the school, the cafeteria, and work with the cafeteria staff to do taste tests. So when a sweet potato or collard greens or fresh local turnip greens ends up on a student's plate, they know what it is, they choose it, they know how they feel about it, they're familiar with it because we did a taste test already. They've got a positive incentive to eat it again. So I can think of so many reasons that someone would say, oh, that's a great idea, but, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of inconvenience and an extra time, what, what do you hear that you have to overcome from, from, let's say, school food service workers or the sure. people, people who sign the checks? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the food market's very competitive in that cheap food is what gets through, right? Commodity food, cheap food. Um, that's your highly processed kinds of food. Fresh local food is not the cheapest. By putting it together, aggregating it ourselves, we can make it competitive. And we also offer different things than what's available to uh, public school cafeterias, for instance, like the collard greens, the turnip greens, the sweet potatoes, the butternut squash. And we got it, we have local apples, Asian pears. Um, all this local product that is a, a whole suite of fruits and veggies that aren't quite available on that scale. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've heard lots of stories, and I saw like when Jamie Oliver came and did his crusade to change school food, uh-huh. that one of the, the issues was the kids were dumping it in the garbage, that they just right. wanted their tater tots. That's right. So do you find the, test, the taste testing kind of uh, tenderizes them to new It certainly does. We do uh, food waste studies where we check out the garbage as it's coming through and see what they're putting out before we do the taste test and then after we do the taste test. And of course we have a myriad of university partners uh, and resources that we can work with to do these kinds of studies. Um, So we're looking at really positive data saying the taste test works. And the taste test isn't just here, try this sweet potato. It's a human being 
working with this child to say, this is a sweet potato. This is what it looks like. This is where it came from. This is what it might taste like. Here's a sticker. You get to vote on how you feel about it. Did you love it? Did you like it? Maybe next time. So they get three different choices. They put their sticker up. They feel that they have chosen. And then they get a positive incentive just for trying, like a pencil with fruits and veggies on it. I mean, kids get real psyched about some simple stuff. I I would get psyched about a pencil with fruits and veggies on it. Right, right. I love that the third option is not thumbs down, but maybe next time. Maybe next time. And we tell them. You know, if you didn't like it this time, every seven years or so, your entire body changes. For me, I didn't like pickles until I was in my teens. And mm-hmm. I tried it every Thanksgiving, I recall. And I never I never cared for a pickle. And then all of a sudden, I really was a big fan. So to tell the children, if you try something over and over and over again, one day your body will decide it might like it. So you just never know. Let's give it the option, huh? Let's give it a try. Right. What's what's the uh, financial model? Are you a nonprofit or a for-profit? It's a really interesting model. In fact, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. The educational components, you could imagine, are the parts that need to be funded. The wholesale model for the fruits and veggie collection, working with farmers, that has the capacity to make money. So for a nonprofit that makes money, that money goes back into the programming. So they're all interconnected. The programming supports the wholesale market, which on both ends, it's supporting the people who need the food and it's supporting the people who grow the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both wow. ways. Do, they, do you bring them into uh, contact? Do the farmers ever come out to the schools? Oh, or? for sure. Yeah. What's we have that the, like? Well, the kids are... The, Kids are really wily. I think they have a preconceived notion of what a farmer looks like. And so when it's a woman who is wearing normal clothes, Mm. that's confusing to them. Uh But it's the biggest educational opportunity. Or when a farmer comes in and it's a black man and they're thinking, oh, McDonald, who has this farm, E-I-E-I-O, is a white man with straw hat and overalls. Uh No, he's not. He's a black man, right? Mm. And he has natural hair, and he's wearing boots and overalls just like old McDonald might. But he doesn't look like what's in your storybook. This is a farmer. So I'm imagining lots of girls and black kids can see themselves in, in, yeah. these, in these stories, whereas they, before they couldn't. The, the That's our hope. Farmers were old white men, and uh-huh. now it's another career path. That's right. That's exactly right. So the education goes, goes really far. And what do the farmers get out of those visits? Well, the farmers get to see who's eating the produce, and the farmers get to see where it's going. You know, they have children, too. So we we do like to keep the farmers on the farm as much as possible. Uh So that's a a rare opportunity for the meet and greet. But we do have uh, tours of our farm, uh, of our hub. So for kids to come through and see where the veggies come, that's a more likely place for them to meet real live farmers who are pulling up with pumpkins you know that kind of a situation that's a real life scenario this is what it looks like gotcha yeah this is what your pumpkin looks like before it gets to the grocery and we deliver to uh the durham co-op weaver street markets um some some larger markets like that so the produce is out and about in your community too mm-hmm. yeah God. How, how did um looking at my farmer food share get started well it was very much a farmer's market where 
you know, you can imagine the produce doesn't sell out always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this farmer has to haul that stuff back. And they, you, you know, it's sat outside all day. You can imagine in the midsummer, high temperatures, this stuff is really just wilting. So the, it's animal feed at that point. But then there are people who didn't get food that day, Is right? They're right. out there. They need that food. So the the pop market, pennies on the pound is what it was called. One woman decided that she would be an intermediary in getting that produce. Instead of the farmer taking it back, she would take it to a partnering agency. And that's how the pennies on the pound started. It's now called Donation Station. So across the entire state, we have donation stations at farmer's markets. It's completely volunteer run. The supplies are at the market. You can volunteer by going online, farmerfoodshare.org. You push the button to sign up. You go to the market on a Saturday. You pick up the supplies you know, at the farmer's market station. Set up your table and accept fresh fruits and veggie donations. Sometimes people give cash and they turn around and spend that money right there at the booth to get more fresh fruits and, and veggies. And then we donate that at the end of the market to a partnering agency like a food bank, like a church, a refugee immigrant resettlement agency, children's services, Anybody in that community who is needing it uh, mm. is getting that food. Yeah, I'm struck by, in, in conversations about food insecurity and, and hunger, whether it's local or global, that the problem is not production, it's distribution. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it seems to be in conversation with policy people, such an insurmountable problem. And yet it's so simple the way you describe it, like just communities coming together. Mm-hmm. There's, it's almost like there's, it reminds me of nature, like there's an organic flow of resources from where they are, where there's resource resource gl- abundance glut yeah. to where there's need. It's, it sounds just very elegant yeah. and beautiful. And that's the part I'm talking about: the grower and the people who needing food, who need food, being on opposite ends of the table, being at mm. odds, mm. not having that mechanism for the people who need the food to get it, and not having the mechanism for the farmer who needs to make a living make that living. So we provide the mechanism. Awesome. So where can people find out more? It's farmerfoodshare.org. All right. So yeah. uh, Whitney, do you have a, can I share your last name? So yeah, can, Sewell, Whitney Sewell. How do you spell that? S-E-W-E-L-L. S-E-W, Sewell. Whitney yeah. Sewell of Farmer Food Share. Thank you so much for the work you do and for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Next, I had the privilege of sitting down with Delphine Sellers of Urban Community Agronomics, or UCAN, U-C-A-N, at U-C-A-N dot today. And we talked about her organization's work reclaiming and putting to community use a very old farm property located not far from downtown Durham, North Carolina. Delphine Sellers of Urban Community Agronomics, UCAN. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So tell me about uh, UCAN. What is it? What do you do? UCAN is a minority-founded and led nonprofit in Northern Durham. And what we are all about is creating health and wellness within our community, primarily through the reclaiming of an old farmstead. It hasn't been farmed in approximately 60 years. So we're, we're calling it the Catawba Trail Farm. Oh, so it's a single farm in Durham? It is. It is actually conservation property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were fortunate enough to have a relationship with the Conservation uh, Triangle Land Conservancy, actually. 
And what we have done is taken management of this property, clearing it, uh, rehabbing all the old buildings, creating a garden, doing restoring the buildings as well, doing whatever is necessary in order to get people out, uh, get them working in a garden, getting them out into some fresh air, and uh, creating a better health. Mm-hmm. What's the history of the property? The property has been there since, uh, golly, the 1800s. Actually, there's a sign there that, that say, on one of the old buildings that says J.H. Wright, uh, 1895. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of history on the, um, may I say, Caucasian ownership of the property. <laughs> uh, this winter, we will really be uh, researching and see if we can find some of the information regarding the African-American heritage on that property as well. Hmm. Do you know what was grown there? The farm was traditionally uh, more tobacco uh, wheat, and they also had a large pasture area with lots and lots of cows back in the days. Okay, and it's located where? The actual address is 2080 Sawmill Creek Road in Durham, mm-hmm. and it's in northern Durham. If anyone's familiar with Durham, it's right outside of uh, Treyburn, which is a um, uh, residential area, and it's near one of our uh, middle schools or elementary school, Little River Elementary School. So if you were to take mm-hmm. Roxborough Road all up, you would take a right on Snow Hill Road, and you would mm-hmm. actually pass us. Okay. And so what was, the, what was the idea about restoring this farm and making it available for community gardening? Mm. The idea is that we need now to be more conscious of where our food comes from, and we need to create better health, and we, not only in a preventive way, but we need to do some reversal of some things. And you can definitely, by starting to eat well and eat right, you can reverse such as diabetes, reduce your diet, you know. So that was the premise behind it. And then also, we work with some of the schools in the area. And many of the students are bused in from the inner city. And we want to show these kids uh, the positive side of agriculture. There are careers in agriculture. There's peace in agriculture. There is health in agriculture. And we want to get this message across to them and see if we can create another generation of people who love the land and love mm-hmm. the soil. Yeah, so you know, I, I lived in Durham until 2014, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think of Durham as an agricultural area, it's, you okay. know, especially the downtown Um but but I'm imagining that like most of the people who live there, their grandparents were on on the land. They were. One of the things that I think is unique uh, that I really love about Durham is uh, the farm is actually six miles from downtown Durham. You mm. would not believe it. It's like driving from the city to the country in less than ten minutes. Hmm. Uh, I can actually and I'm actually I actually live eight minutes from the property, and I can stand in front of my house and I can see downtown Durham buildings. So one of the great things is people don't realize that Durham still has a very rich agricultural base. Uh, and in, agri- in agriculture, in many instances, it was not about the vegetables, but now it's going that way, which I think mm-hmm. is absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. So what can people do on the farm? They can do everything. I mean, we in reclaiming this, we actually, the few trees that we cut down, they are now seasoned. We're cutting firewood and selling it. The branches that came off the trees, the limbs, and all of that, we're we're chipping them and using them in the in the in the building, in the garden. The uh, old buildings, since we had it assessed, several of them have to come down. They can help us to deconstruct the buildings. Uh, we're restoring some buildings. You got any carpentry skills? Want to learn some? You can help us restore the buildings that are there. 
We are actually, within the next couple of weeks, be installing our solar well system. If you know anything about solar energy and want to come out and volunteer a little time to help us with it, the well will be dug professionally, but help us set up our solar system so we can teach young kids about the technology of solar energy. So we have bees. You want to know about mm-hmm. bees? Uh, we can help you with that. Chicken, you ever want to know about poultry, eggs? We do everything that you would on a traditional farm. And that includes teaching people, and you can engage in actually how do you cook it and how do you preserve it, again, with the goal of better health. Mm -hmm. So once people from the community come out and they learn about these things, where can they have opportunity to actually practice? On the property. We actually have right now 47 raised beds. We uh, actually rent those raised beds out, uh, $100 for a whole year. So what do you get? You get the raised bed, you get the soil, which is rich and nutritious. You get, we also provide all of the uh, pest controls or anything that might be needed for that. So all that we need for people to do is to come out and say, I want to learn. You don't have to know. Mm. And in some cases, we might even have the seeds and the plants for you. But you actually have that bed, that soil, and you're ready to plant. And we'll just teach you how to grow it, to harvest it, and reap the benefits. So is there an economic uh, argument for, for $100? Can you get more than $100 worth of produce from oh, a bed? yes, you can. Remember now, in North Carolina, how many growing seasons do you We actually, in this part of Durham, uh, North Carolina, most people say three growing seasons, but we grow year-round. Yeah. So in the summer, you got your tomatoes, your peppers, your squash, your you name it, all of the summer products. Then you, you go over to all of your herbs. Tell me you can't make your 100 bucks back and then some. You get all of that. And then in the winter, for example, now we're planting cabbage, kale, uh, mustards, onions, broccoli. Uh, you name it, yes. Gotcha. Yes. There's no question. Once people bring home all their produce, do they know what to do with it? They may not, but we'll share with them and help them to know what to do. That's the, our food preservation preparation and preservation training that we do. We'll teach you some easy, simple meals, uh, you know, what to do with the radishes, you know, how to make them sweet. A lot of people are doing juicing nowadays, so most of the vegetables can be put in juices. Uh, And then we're going to take it a step further. We want to teach you how to, uh, nowadays we say preserve, but in old days I used to say plain old can. I want to teach you how to can those foods. There is nothing better than a beet. I used to hate beets as growing up, but now I can open a jar of canned beets and I can eat the whole jar in one setting. So we want to teach people to have a love for food again, once again. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. And um, what's what's are you a nonprofit? We are a nonprofit. Uh, our uh, address is actually 2080 Sawmill Creek Road. Uh, no, it's not Sawmill Creek Parkway in Durham, mm-hmm. and we have a web page which is www.ucan.today. We also have a Facebook page, uh, which is, goodness gracious, www.facebook.com backslash you can today. You can. We're branding everything with you can because people say, I would, but, I could, but. Uh-huh. And we're saying to you, we're taking away that but. There's no longer in a but because why? We know that you can. You can have better health. You can grow your own food. You can. Uh, find peace in the outside and not and get away from the TV and the computers. You can, and we're here to show you that you can. Awesome. Thank you so All much right. for the work you're doing and for taking the time today. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay.
And here's a chat with Carol Thibodeau, who drove all the way from Nashville, Tennessee area to join us in the Triangle. Carol Thibodeau, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. I'm living my dream moment by moment. Yeah, so uh, this is the first time we're meeting. We've been, we've been working together for uh, almost half a year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you decided to, I think you might, be the, you might win the prize for farthest drive by an uh, attendee at, at this event. Uh, what made you want to come down here? Well, Howard, I give you all, all the blame. <laughs> uh, Tuesday, I heard your, your latest podcast on this uh, Triangle uh, Health Fest, and I just got inspired Wednesday morning. I sent out a couple of emails, and within a couple of hours, I had somebody who had offered to even house me in their own, own home. So I just got in the car and drove here yesterday. Was there anything in particular that you were... Uh you know, inspired by or looking for? Well, uh, there, there was a number of things. First of all, I wanted to meet you in person. Um, we've been working together for almost half a year, and I, I'd like to meet you in person. Secondly, um, Dr. Neil Bernard was coming, so um, I've never seen him in person and read a lot of his books and seen a lot of his videos, so I would like wanted to see him in person. And then I got surprised. I didn't realize that... Uh, Susie Amos Cameron was going to be here. So that was a a wonderful um, surprise, and I even got to meet her in person last night. So that was a treat. Nice. So I know um, you're building a a whole food plant-based retreat center in Tennessee. What, near Memphis? Is that right? Um, It's it's south uh, of... It's south of Nashville, about an hour and 20 minutes. I see. Um, It's south of a town called uh, Murfreesboro, and mm-hmm. about an hour. And we have a 48-acre um, estate farm that we purchased, and we're going to turn it into a, a vegan retreat and a farm stay. Uh-huh. So is there anything about what you've seen about the way the triangle here is weaving plant-based and health and environment and food together that um, is interesting to you as you're putting together your own mark on your community? Yes, that, that's what I came here, is to be inspired by the way the people here in the Triangle are, are, are doing things. Um, in, in Nashville, which is an hour and a half north of me, um, we have had uh, three veg fests so far, and I've actually had a booth at two of those, even though my facility isn't yet open. Oh. <laughs> uh, because I wanted to start connecting with people, and I'd like to have some local people come out and volunteer to work in the gardens and learn about raising plants, eating more plants, and that also gives me an opportunity to kind of uh, do a little uh, PR work for the whole food plant-based movement. Nice. So uh, let's give you a chance to, to, um, to pitch your, your farm here. Where you, you, you may not be ready for people yet, but you do have a social media and website, yes, right? Yes. Um, have, uh, we have a Facebook page, um, Infinite Possibilities TN. Um, I'm also a law of attraction teacher with Mike Dooley's infinite possibilities um, uh, methods. And uh, I'm a physical therapist, a a personal trainer, and a recent graduate of your WellStart Lifestyle Wellness coaching program. So um, I knew you looked familiar. That's that's where I know you from. I'm, I'm wanting to uh, educate people in, in the communities in, in Middle Tennessee ab- about how eating more plants can change their lives. Um, that's, that's been my inspiration 
from the work I've done as a physical therapist in geriatrics for many years. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for taking the time and thanks for driving all this way to uh, say hi. You're welcome, Howard. It's my pleasure. And now a chat with the first of two local Triangle food purveyors. First, I speak with Shane McKinnon of smallseedbar.com, located in Raleigh. Shane McKinnon, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're neighbors here at the, uh, at the high school. You got a booth and uh, you got some really delicious looking stuff. Tell, tell me about it. Um, so we're plant-based protein bars. They're all raw, vegan, and gluten-free. Uh, they're only sweet with maple syrup, which is pretty nice. And we started in San Diego of last year in May 2017. And then we recently moved to Raleigh to spread all of our plant-based love in North Carolina. Oh, what, what brought you here? Or what brought you away from San Diego? <laughs> um, we started the business, and then about five months into it, we found out we were pregnant, my wife and I. Uh-huh. And uh, we're originally from Massachusetts. So in December, we decided we want to move back to the East Coast, be closer to family. And North Carolina was like a good combination of Northeast and the South. Gotcha. Was, was there a business component to that decision about where is there a market? Because I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you'd like put Raleigh in San Diego. <laughs> um, well, the year prior, a little backstory, we were looking to open up our first restaurant and we visited Portland, Oregon and Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm. And we just loved Raleigh. It was like very progressive forward. The people were great and there were a lot of vegan options. Uh-huh. Wow. So we, we beat Portland? You beat Portland. So we, we may not have won the Amazon headquarters, <laughs> but we won the small seed bar. It's probably just as good, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it didn't get as much press, but it sounds... <laughs> not yet. Yeah. So um, what, what led you guys to start the company? Oh, let's see. Um, and right after we got married in April 2017, we decided to go plant-based. And we were already gluten-free like five years prior to that and dairy-free as well. And uh, after doing so, we found it was really hard to find easy options for us to have, like either post-workout or on the road or in between work. And my wife created these for us just in our kitchen, like in a little like KitchenAid mixer. And uh, she started giving them friends. Friends really liked them. So she started doing farmer's markets on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of good feedback. We had our first wholesale account in September of twenty eight. 17? Sorry, 2017. And uh, at that point, I decided to leave my career job, which is in prepackaged foods, and help her scale. Okay. And then December came, we decided to move to Raleigh. Um, but we made it mostly out of a need for ourselves to have like clean, wholesome, real food ingredients. Uh-huh. And people just love them. Gotcha. So you were in prepackaged food. Were you, were you in marketing or production? I was in production. Production. Yeah. So I was uh-huh. operations executive. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you can put it together, scale it, work, work deals, but you trusted that it was going to work just based on everyone's response to the product. That and my wife. She's uh-huh. like got all the guts from our family. Okay. She has so much confidence in like everything that she does, and her confidence made me feel confident. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So how's it going? It's good. We love it. Um, especially since moving to North Carolina, we've been like, everyone's been real receptive. Um, you know, Transitioning, we kind of started from scratch. So we went from, in May, we kind of went from zero, and now we have 30 locations that carry our bars, uh, which is a good amount. Uh What sorts of locations? Are they like independent health food stores? Uh, Most of them are actually like cafes, juice bars. Um, There are a few co-ops that do carry them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd say our biggest market is a combination of either cafes and juice bars. Okay. Um, Do they tend to be vegan or vegan-friendly, or do you have to make an argument? Uh, Like... 
Well, I, I think most of them are, are well, juice bars are typically vegan friendly, right. but the cafes usually aren't, and that's why they would like our bars, because people come in, they want like a gluten-free or vegan option, and we can give them both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of places don't know how to make vegan options taste good necessarily, uh-huh. uh, so we're just like an easy substitute for them to do. Right. So I'm going to grab your picture before you go, and you're, you're sure. you know you're an extremely scrawny guy. So I'm you know I'm, I'm more, <laughs> you know um, now I got to go work out. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, yeah. You do, do you do 100 push-ups for everyone? I do, and we'll be good. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, that's a deal. But um, what made you, what made you go vegan or plant-based? You know, you, you said you were gluten-free. So I'm imagining I'm imagining you as being sort of attracted to paleo, just in terms of like CrossFit and the whole culture. What? Uh, uh, what that's a good question. So I'm kind of like a health food fanatic, like uh, information junkie. Uh-huh. So like I, I and especially podcasts. But um, I like did keto in 2015 before it was popular. So when people start buzzing about them, I just want to try them for myself. Uh, and everyone was kind of like raving about veganism. <clears throat> and then the same thing happened with gluten. And then I cut it. I just felt great. I cut out dairy. Felt great. Did keto. Felt okay. But went back to carbohydrates. Um, and people were talking about veganism. I'm like, I just have to try it. Like, huh. that's just how I like to operate. Uh-huh. Um, I like to listen to people's opinions, but then I like to implement it. So we decided to try it. And, you know, I, typically how I make decisions is kind of like, I'm going to decide to do something and that's it. I don't really leave other options. But after doing it, uh, I just, I felt awesome and amazing. And then once I got actually like immersed into the culture and found out like farming and animal rights, that would kind of like put the nail in the coffin for me. Uh-huh. So this doesn't feel like a, a test anymore. Correct. Yeah. No, uh-huh. it's been, I think it's been, I don't really count, but I think it's been like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as we decided to do it, we just never went back. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, for for those of you who are not looking at the at the photo that I'm about to take, <laughs> um, Shane is not a scrawny guy. He's hugely muscled. Um, do you find that helps, like, in, just in terms of marketing? Like, you don't look like a hippie vegan. Uh, maybe. I maybe not for. I don't think for our company, but definitely for veganism. People always ask me a lot, like, "Oh, what do you eat? What do you do?" And I'm just like, "I just eat a ton of vegetables and grains. It's okay." Yeah. Um, actually, I did my first year going vegan. I did powerlifting, and I I actually became stronger. Um, mm-hmm. Which was like I heard people talk about, but it was kind of it was it was surreal exper- experiencing it. Uh huh. Um, like I just think your joints hurt less. You lose a lot of unnecessary water weight, and you can perform better in all aspects of life. Gotcha. Have you seen the Game Changers movie yet? N- no, I didn't even know it was out yet. Oh, it's not. It's it may be. It may be semi out. I'm like waiting for it to come out. <laughs> I saw. I saw a. Uh, a not quite final cut where they where they had uh, you know Patrick Baboumian, yeah. um, Naomi. Do you know Naomi Del? I can't say his name, but he's like the vegan power bodybuilder. No, I don't. He's worked out with Patrick before. Okay, but um, but yeah, I know he's in it too. I'm so excited to see it. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, so um, how can people find out more about you? Can can they get your stuff online, or do they have to stumble into one of the 33 <laughs> cafes um, or juice bars? We ship everywhere inside the United States. Uh, www.smallseedbar.com. Um, we're most active on Instagram, just because we're like new age millennials and we're kind of bratty. I'm just yeah. I'm bratty. My wife's not, um, and that's just Small Seed Bar at Instagram. Most of our handles. Uh, but yeah, and then if you're local, you can come see us. We also do a local pickup at our kitchen as well which is nice. So you can come meet me and see our little shop. Gotcha. And where's that? It's in uh, downtown Raleigh. 
Uh-huh. So you have you have retail space. It's not technically retail space. It's like where we do production, uh-huh. but I let people come pick up our bars. Okay. Save on shipping. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, Shane, thank you so much for uh, for representing and okay. for, for yeah. making this stuff uh, so easy and so palatable and for taking the time today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Next, I got to grab a chat with Yachtiel Webb of Soli Vegan Cafe. That's S-O-U-L-Y, vegancafe.com. <laughs> Take three, Yachtiel <laughs> Webb of Soli Vegan Cafe in Durham. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So how's it going for you so far? It's gone great so far. Been at, been at it for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. A little over a year and a half now. It's okay. going great. Gotcha. So I was... Um, Really sad when I saw the vegan flavor closed, and then yes. all of us. And I was driving down fifteen five hundred one, and I noticed the sign looks different. Yeah. And you're back. There's another yeah. place there. So, so how, how did that happen? Okay, so um, so once vegan flavor left, we we saw the opportunity of of doing something. So we went in there instead of um, mm-hmm. instead of vegan flavor. So uh-huh. we got we got in there. So I guess everything was all set up for you so guys. So my, my dad is the one who's, who's kind of done this. So he, um, he's, met, he's met the chef doing contract work for her, mm-hmm. and she thought to make vegan meals for him because he's vegan. He's been vegan for about a little over 28 years now. Wow. So he's been vegan for a while. He's kind of got mm-hmm. everyone on this little track here. Uh-huh. So, so your dad's been vegan for 28? Yes, yes. So did he um, impose that on the household? Yes, So you did, sure. you grew up vegan? Yes, I did. But around high school, around that time, I experimented with other things. So I went off track of that vegan, vegan lifestyle. But now, ever since the restaurant started, I've been going 100% vegan again. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, what do you serve? Uh, so we do a soul food delicacy, um, 100% vegan. Um, our our main uh, dishes are probably the most popular for sure. Is definitely the mac and cheese. That's our that's our uh, staple there. Okay. And then the barbecue, which we have here at at the at the festival here, is the bar- we have the barbecue, the mac and cheese, and the collard greens. Okay. So three of the most popular. Some All of the right. Most so, popular I'm gonna, so I'm going to ask you for your secrets. <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you do for cheese and a mac and cheese if you're not using cheese? So we're using some almond milk based cheese as well. Okay. And then little little secret I'll let you into. So we use nutritional yeast and some flavor nice. in there, and then we add our own spices. I can't tell you everything. Okay, well, <laughs> that, that's fair. Um, what what about the barbecue? What are you using instead of pork? Ah, so um, we we use the soy protein, um, and that's that's wheat gluten. And that's another thing we we try to focus on um, gluten free items, uh-huh. but uh, so our mac and cheese and the cornbread are definitely gluten free. So the only thing that's not gluten free in the restaurant is the soy protein because that has wheat gluten in it. But uh, other than that, we we do pretty good and um, gotcha dealing with gluten free items. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's what's the mission of the restaurant? Is it uh, is it you know do you think of it simply as a financial? Oh no, for definitely not. Um, it's just trying. My main thing is not to convert people, but just give people healthier options. That's not only because the the stigma on veganism or vegan food is um, that it's it's healthy, but it doesn't taste good. That's mm-hmm. that's our we our mission is not only do we give you healthy good food, but it's also 
tastes great. That's that's our that's our motto. Mm-hmm. So, so who who uh, who's your clientele? Is it mostly people coming in for lunch? So that's or? interesting. So, um, I'd say seventy to eighty percent of our of our customers, especially regulars, aren't vegan at all. They just come because of they. Um, a lot of people. It's interesting. A lot of people like to be vegan, but I guess it's the prep and um, how to make it. So. We we definitely want to um, encourage like some some uh, cooking classes to help mm. with that. So that's, that's mm. our that's our future goals. Get some either a cookbook or some some classes going on in the restaurant too. Nice. So you say it's it's soul food. So is are there a lot of you know African American customers? Ooh. So we do we do have a lot of African American, but I would still say ooh well. It's very close, to be honest. We have a lot of African-American, and we have a lot of Caucasian as well, too. So we do, it's a lot of mix, to be honest. We have a, we have a good mix of uh, Latina, mm-hmm. um, uh, Middle Eastern. We got, we got a lot of, because our menu is very broad. So we do, we do a lot of, so we do soul food, but we also do like a, a curry chickpea dish, which is actually my personal favorite. Uh-huh. Um, which is, you know, it's is Indian, an yeah. Indian dish. So we do a lot. We do try to try to be as global as possible. Uh-huh. Do you take uh, requests from from customers? So we have recently. Um, a lot of people have been telling us to do brunch, and we mm-hmm. have actually expanded that. We've started doing brunches on Sundays from twelve to three. So that's going very well, especially the first two first two weeks that we've done it. We we got a lot of feedback. People were lining out outside the door at eleven thirty, ready for us to open, uh-huh. even though I posted it the the day before. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yes. So what what kind of feedback do you get from from customers? Like why there's so many places here where you can get soul yes. food. So we and, do and get, they're, and they're not vegan, so the, the right. presumably they don't have to come to you. Yeah, yeah. We we get a lot of good feedback. Um, First thing people when when people come in is they say hey I saw your your reviews on Happy Cow or Yelp mm. that were that were excellent reviews came to check you out just because of that or most of the time it's people searching or vegan food or whatever in the area mm. so that's we we get a lot of good feedback on that uh-huh. so sure. it sounds like it's a lot of people who are searching for a vegan or vegetarian option mm-hmm. even though they may not be vegan or vegetarian yes we do yes. Um, I'm sorry, repeat that question one I more said, time? I um, said you're getting people who are not, you say most of them are not vegan or vegetarian, but they're searching for a vegan or vegetarian. So a lot of people actually, um, so social media is, is, and word of mouth, because a lot of people will go to their job and they'll just say, hey, or they'll bring in samples of what they had and they're like, mm-hmm. you guys got to try this vegan restaurant in Durham. They're, they're amazing. You got to check it out. And that's usually how we get a lot of customers. Word of mouth and social media is mostly the mm-hmm. mostly what gets us business a lot, a gotcha. lot of times. Because, you know, I mean, you know, pulled pork and mac and cheese will make you feel very good in the moment and very not good like two hours later. Yeah, that's the that's the difference between vegan, vegan soul food and regular soul food. Um, so regular soul food just weigh you down. You don't feel like doing anything after. But after you eat a solely vegan meal, you're ready to conquer the day. Keep doing, keep keep doing whatever you were doing. So, awesome. How can people find you? Uh, so we have Instagram, Facebook. We got it all. So, so at Soli Vegan Cafe. And let's spell Soli's because it, uh, it yes. could be a double entendre. Yes. So O S O U L Y 
V E G A N C A F E. Great. And if you're everything. if you're in Durham, you are right right off uh, 15501 15, behind the Target, Target. Chick Fil A. Yeah, we're on that same street, yep. Boulevard so, Plaza. So drive to Chick Fil A and just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go right past that Chick Fil A, right to something healthy. <laughs> awesome. Well, Yaktiel, thank you so much for uh, for all you're doing for the community and for no taking the time today. Of course, no problem. Thank you for having me on. For Pleasure. Sure. All right. All right. Are you ready to be inspired? To be educated? To be enchanted? by the incredibly energetic, optimistic, focused, won't-take-no-for-an-answer Susie Amos Cameron. We talked about her vision for OMD, One Meal a Day for the Planet. And by the way, that's one plant-based meal out of three. Not that you only eat one meal a day, just in case you were worried. And you can hear about the movement and check out her book, uh, One Meal a Day, Changing the World by Changing One Meal a Day, the simple plant-based program to save your health, save your waistline, and save the planet. Susie Amos Cameron, welcome. Thank you. It's so great to welcome you to our, to our neck of the woods and to just listen to your really inspiring and common sense talk. Um, Thanks so much. It's my first time in North Carolina and it's beautiful and the people are amazing and really receptive. Yeah, we are. As, you, as you, you did your research, you know about our pig problem. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's sobering for sure. Uh, so my, my sense of uh, sort of following you and, and Jim and your involvement in the movement was that it was, it was largely about environmental concerns. Um, and in the talk today, you talked a lot about sort of Jim's uh, lack of hope, which I think all you know early on like just looking at this big problem and thinking like we have no leverage on it and i know there's been all these reports coming out recently about like i saw two days ago we're going to be going to have no vertebrate wild animals in eight years and the you know the ice caps are melting faster than we think it's really easy to be hopeless but you are coming with a message of not only hope but individual empowerment how, how did you arrive at that yeah, so it's true. The United Nations just came out about a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, talking about the IPCC report and saying that we have till 2030 to, to really turn things around. Um, but I came to it from a place of initially Jim and I watched Forks Over Knives uh, six and a half years ago, and I was coming to it completely from a health point of view, and he started to educate me on the environmental issues. Mm. And I, even though I had been in environmental circles for decades, no one had ever talked about animal agriculture and how devastating it is on the environment. So it was not only the first whammy of realizing that we had been advertised to our whole lives that we needed meat and dairy to be strong and healthy uh, but not only did we not need it, but it was actually bad for us. And then the second double whammy came in after being in the environmental circles for such a long time, and no one had ever talked about how horrific animal agriculture is. It's the second leading cause of greenhouse gases and climate change, more than all transportation combined, more than every car, every airplane, every bus everything and so you can actually make more of a difference by what you put on your plate than what you're driving right 
And so um, I first came across your work through of the, in the Muse School. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was, it, was, it was beautiful because when I think of you guys, I think of making these epic movies that hundreds of millions of people will see. And I don't know to what extent a movie changes people beyond, you know, the two hours or the day that they watch it. But it seems like, you know, it's like if I had that kind of platform, like I would fantasize, like, what could I put in a movie? And yet you approach the, the, these issues at a really micro level. To, like, what, was, what was your thinking in terms of what you were, what you were planting and how it, would, how it might grow? Well, it started out as a micro, you know, just a tiny little seed. And, you know, Jim was off making his movies, and certainly he's got environmental themes through the majority of them. Um, But he was off doing that, and I was just trying to educate our kids more than anything. And it, it it was a series of events that happened. And once I started learning about the environmental effects of animal agriculture on our environment, um, the school is um, it's a passion interest-based learning school, but it's a, one of the very strong pillars is around sustainability in the environment. Mm-hmm. So we realized very early on, after we went plant-based, that we couldn't be serving animal products at school anymore and call ourselves an environmental school. So we took the 18 months to, to convert it into a, a 100% plant-based. And it's the first plant-based school in the nation that we're aware of and maybe in the world because uh, nobody has come in to raise their hand to say that, that they were first. Um, but it, it's, um, OMD actually was born at Muse, and it came out of the frustration of our head of school by explaining to people that, you know, they can feed their kids eggs and bacon in the morning and a burger at night. It's just one meal a day. It's OMD. And that's where the idea to, to write the school, the, to write the book came from. And one of the things that we ended up doing was we work with climate scientists on what are the environmental savings of eating plant-based. Mm-hmm. And one person changing one of their meals a day to a plant-based meal for one year, you save 200,000 gallons of water and the carbon equivalent of driving from Los Angeles to New York. So I think the thing that excited me about it, and you talk about platform, Jim and I are fully aware of this amazing platform that we have. And yes, certainly we could be taking pictures of our toes in restaurants that we love uh, and posting them. But we have really decided that we want to use it to make a difference. And I think through that, even though we are in a different kind of position where we can start schools, environmental schools, we can start um, environmental organizations and you know I started an eco dress design contest and we can do all of those things but it never really felt like we were really making a difference mm. until OMD and it's empowering to every single human being on this planet because every time you eat plant based you listener every time you eat plant based you cut your carbon footprint in half and your water footprint by a third, you can make a difference and you can help move the needle on climate change. And it's better for your health and your sex life too. 
<laughs> right. Now, there's also there's a paradox in in your book a little bit and in your story in that when you when you decided to go plant based as a school, you mentioned from the stage just now that you lost fifty percent of of your the population. The environmental organizations are are t- completely tone deaf to the animal argument. So there's this entrenched resistance, and at the same time, the 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 theme of your book is this is easy and people can do it and they want to do it if you go about explaining it to them and inviting them in the right way. Can you? Yeah. Can you connect the dots for me? Yeah, absolutely. It's. I mean, it's. It's certainly. It's the the response that we're getting is it's non judgmental. You don't have to be perfect, so it's not like you've got to do it 100%. A lot of people end up, you know, dipping their toe in and doing one meal a day, and then they feel so good they do two, and then very often the next thing you, next time you see them, you know, and they're glowing and their eyes are sparkling, and and they said, yeah, I ended up going, you know, three meals a day, 100%. Um, but it's even just one meal a day makes a huge difference. So it's. Um, it is fascinating that the environmental circles don't talk about it, but they can't ignore the announcement, the report from the United Nations. Um, I actually just had a meeting last week with the president of the largest environmental organization in the United States, and it was very much a topic of conversation during mm-hmm. that meeting. Um, but there are big Organizations, Greenpeace is doing amazing campaigns around meat and dairy. So mm. kudos to them for sure. And I know the Sierra Club has started to kind of dip their toe in it. But why they're not out there screaming from the mountaintops, I have no idea. Because it can help. Yeah. Well, it's almost like um, you know, the resistance comes from my feeling bad about I th- like I think I can't change, right? So if I like if I put in a, a compact fluorescent or an LED light bulb, I don't have to wake up every morning and do it again, right? right. So I'm, I'm really confident that I can just stick that thing in there. Or if I buy a Prius, I'm pretty sure I can drive it. But the, you know, people feel like the, the entrenched habits are so hard that they become unwilling to even examine the, their contribution to the issue. What I love about OMD is that you're inviting people to empower themselves in a way that they can see is sustainable. Yes, yeah. So you're talking about uh, driving a Prius. Um, this was a, st- a statistic that I saw that a carnivore driving a Prius leaves more of a carbon footprint than a vegan driving an SUV. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So we like to say that, you know, meat is the new SUV, right. basically. So I can have a hummus and hummers. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So but as something y- tells me you wouldn't be driving a Hummer. <laughs> no. I've, I've, I think we have to do every little thing we can. Right, right. Yeah. That's another really inter- good point. It's not, yeah. it's, people love to think in terms of either or. Right. Right. So if either, either I'm 100% vegan or I'm nothing or I'm an, you know, right. if, I do, if I do this, then I don't have to do that. But like, you know, this is like Horton Hears a Who. We all need to, to shout at whatever level we can to... Uh, to change the trajectory. Exactly. Yeah. So what have you discovered um, taking, you know, OMD is not just a book, it's a movement. Um, what have you discovered as you field tested it in the world? What, 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 what um, feedback do you get from people about, is it hard, is it easy, does it grow? I think more than anything, I, people are, 
open to it. But, you know, when Jim and I first went plant-based, because we did blow up our kitchen and 24 hours later we were completely 100% plant-based, <laughs> but a very small percentage of people do that. And we were on our soapbox, like you can't believe, trying to tell everybody, no, just do it. It's easy. Really, you just clean out your kitchen and you just do it. And people started, um, they'd see us coming and they would turn around and run away. <laughs> and, you know, his family members didn't want to come to our house for, <laughs> for Thanksgiving or for Christmas because we didn't have turkey or ham mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. And, and um, but I think what the response has been now because we don't get up on our soapbox anymore. Mm-hmm. We really just talk about OMD. Like, just try one meal a day. And our we had a very fun uh, Thanksgiving a couple of years ago because we actually told um, our guests, our family members, that we were going to have turkey. And they all showed up, very excited about the idea of turkey. And we had two gorgeous, we had a black one and a white one, live turkeys in the living room. <laughs> So, and uh, they're beautiful, lovely pets. They actually live with the, the, our pig, Otis, <laughs> at our ranch. Um, but we have people that come over for dinner. We don't talk about the fact that it's plant-based mm-hmm. anymore. And by the middle of dinner, you know, it becomes a topic, you know, the conversation. And by the time they leave, they sort of say, well, gosh, if I could eat like that every day... You know, I could totally be vegan because people have an idea that they're going to live off of celery sticks and carrots, but it's not. I mean, we have, we serve incredibly familiar foods like lasagna and we do taco bar, very interactive foods, taco bars and burrito bars and, you know, pastas and we have pizza nights and, you know, where we make the the little individual pizzas and put out all the toppings and everybody makes their own. And Mm. so there's so many foods that are super super filling and delicious and very familiar burgers and hot dogs and yeah beautiful so i know you're uh, you're in demand here and you got to head out so i don't want to take up uh, too much of your time but i really honor and appreciate the work that you're doing and i want to thank you for coming out here to north carolina and for taking the time to talk to me today yeah well howard thank you so much i'm glad you pulled me over here i think it's fantastic and i'm really interested in what you're doing too Awesome. We'll talk more. It's nice to meet you. All right. And that is the PCRM Triangle Kickstart Live. I apologize for the loud ambient noise. Clearly, I need to learn a few more things about limiters and compressors and gates and filters before I wander out into the world with my microphones and recorder. Um, But I will say it was really, really fun to sit down across from people, look them in the eye, have conversations, smile, make eye contact. All those facial expressions and body language that just made the conversations a whole lot more real and engaging, uh, I think, than I usually achieve via phone or Skype. So if my patrons want to get real generous and start sending me money to give people plane tickets and travel vouchers and Airbnb stays near me, we can do a lot more of that podcasting. I'll even get a camera set up so we can, uh, we can add the video angle in as well. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you'd like to support our mission, there are so many easy ways to do that. One is to simply subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also 
Share this episode on social media or email or however you share stuff you like. And of course, you can become a patron of the show by making an ongoing contribution, a pledge. And you can do that at plantyourself.com and check the right sidebar for the Patreon button. And you can check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everyone and everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 294. If you're new to this show, you can catch up on 293 archived episodes at plantyourself.com. And if you're looking to turn your health around and adopt healthy habits, finally, maybe, check out wellstarthealth.com. We have new cohorts starting all the time, and we would love to help you get to your ideal weight, to reverse chronic disease, to get off meds or reduce the need for them, and to just become happier, healthier, more vibrant, more authentically yourself. Check us out, wellstarthealth.com. All right, in garden news, we have seen the most amazing display of squirrelitude in our backyard. The squirrels have been on an incredible binge, running back and forth, grabbing pecans off a pecan tree, sometimes got three of them in their mouth and another two hanging off on a twig and running back and forth. It's amazing. Um, it's also a little discouraging because the, the pecans aren't quite ready yet, not ready enough for us to to harvest, but the squirrels don't seem to mind. And so they're getting pretty much 99% of all the calories from that tree. Uh, the rabbits and the groundhog are doing a great job on the winter greens. So uh, looks like we're going to need some uh, better fencing come uh, come spring. In running news, this morning I did my first pre-dawn run solo in a long time, maybe in almost uh, six months. I was out there by 5.30 and it felt really good, even though I was going slow. It felt really good to be out there before everyone, before traffic, to be just with my headlamp and podcast, I'm listening to uh, Scott Jurek and Jenny Jurek um, narrating their book North about their attempt to have Scott complete the full Appalachian Trail from south to north and set a record. Uh, I guess the uh, the narration kind of inspired me that if he's running, you know, 18, 20 hour days to try to make this record through mudslides and, and hailstorms and on all sorts of stuff, that if I'm just going out on my paved road at five in the morning, the stars are still up, there's no cars, it's just beautiful, that uh, that's not so, so much of a hardship. So I'm enjoying that. I also got in a great cold, freezing rain run with Eric O'Gray on Friday morning, the day before the uh, the live PCRM uh, kickstart that we just uh, listened to. Um, that was very inspiring as well. Uh, one more thing. My buddy and business partner, Josh Lajani, was interviewed for the Rich Roll podcast a little while ago. And we have reason to believe that that episode is going to drop this week or next. So if you're not a Rich Roll fan, uh, I don't know why not? Uh, you should be. Check out his podcast. It's uh, He was the inspiration for me to start my own, not only um, just in general, but a conversation that we had after he interviewed me for his podcast. I guess it was around 2014. And he saw what I had done and I hadn't really taken it seriously. I didn't even have a website. And he kind of lit into me a little bit about uh, taking seriously my responsibility to contribute what I could to the world and to the movement. And so uh, Rich has uh, 
has always been a mentor of mine. And I think, you know, this will be Josh's third appearance. And I think you're really going to like it. So keep a lookout. And you can just find that at richroll.com. Okay, while I'm uh, gushing gratitudes, of course, gratitude to PCRM, to Neil, to Susie, to Eric, to all of the people who spoke to me to, uh, for this episode. And of course, thanks to Will Reidenauer, a musician extraordinaire for allowing me to use Sabali Dunn, The Dance of Peace as the theme music for this song. Check out willreidenauer.com for more of his beautiful chorus music. And of course, thanks to all you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. I got a new one this week with a very fun name or a nickname. So you'll have to wait to the end to hear that. I'm, I'm seeing if I can still do this in three breaths. So here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kanofsky, David Bysak, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolan, Manova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Ron Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Bedham, Gila Serre, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Doron Aviso, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Fries, Ruth Ann Thunderbrick, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindemann, Ryan Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Berger, Nicole Ramsey. Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, Inscrutable Harry R. Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Krakovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Vichia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Abby Organ, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rutland, Julian Watkins, Brito, Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rosalind, Diat, Julie Lang, Home, Edda Gardiza, Tuzan, Wachalli, Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva, Lel, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olarkoski, Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Moran, Karen, Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Head Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harris, and Justine Divitt. Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fenny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, and Billberry Elf for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.
All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X. Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gil David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Jerome Avizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Amadzen, Ollie Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Len, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>